0: Today, we will be speaking with Fabian Lange. He'll get us started with an introduction about himself, then we'll jump to our talk about the impact of COVID-19 on the U.S. labor market and labor force. Enjoy.
1: All right, so I'm Fabian Lange. I'm a professor at McGill. Uh, I do a lot of research in labor economics. Um, I've, uh, I've done my PhD, it's a while ago now, at the University of of Chicago and um, and have been at uh, McGill University for 10 years. Before that, I was employed at Yale University. I do a lot of research into um, what's called personnel economics. So that's how firms structure compensation, how they arrange their companies, and also into the um, like lately, especially over COVID, I have I have looked into labor force flows, so movements of people between employment, unemployment, and the labor force.
0: What was the impact of the COVID nineteen pandemic on the U.S. labor market?
1: All right, so I don't know. Uh, you might remember in twenty twenty when the world uh, came to a standstill. Um, what we saw then was we. Kind of a very unusual type of recession. So normally in a recession you see an increase in unemployment, in what we call search unemployment. Um, uh, with a you know going along with that, with a decline in employment. Um, in 2020, February 2020, March 2020, we saw a very large increase in unemployment, but an unusual uh, type of unemployment. We saw an increase in unemployment. Uh, where people were reporting that they expected to be called back to their old jobs. We call that temporary or recall unemployment. Um, So, yeah, we saw a large decline in the employment to population ratio. Employment to population ratio is just the fraction of people who are holding a job compared to the total population, 16 or older. Um, And that declined by 20 million people. But the overwhelming majority of those people went on to this recall unemployment. And that lasted for a few months, but then much faster than most people predicted. um, We actually saw people recovering their old jobs. So the unusual thing about the type of employment, as I said, was that people were still connected to their prior jobs. Um, and so, while there was a lot of uncertainty there, we also saw a lot of people very quickly going back to their old jobs. Um, so that by fall 2020, a lot of the the decline in unemployment uh, in employment and the increase in unemployment had already undone itself. Um, yeah, so the dominant pattern really was contrary to normal recessions. The dominant pattern was this. Flow into recall unemployment as opposed, as opposed to flows into search unemployment, and then at the same time, <clears throat> um, you might ask, well, what happened on the firm side? Well, firms actually, for just a very short moment of time, cut back on hiring, uh, you know, reduced the job postings to quite a, uh, quite rapidly for a few months. But then that rebounded very quickly as well. So in 2020, there was a lot of debate on whether the COVID recession was going to have a V shape or U shape or J shape. So, what people dis- tried to distinguish there with these letters was whether it was going to be short and sharp or whether it's going to be more prolonged, that would be a U shaped, or whether a J shape, like whether it would be permanently at a lower level of activity. And so, in retrospect, it's really been but the v-shape in the labor market at least in the v-shape in the sense that we have seen the labor market rebound very rapidly um with strong labor demand already in 2021 and in 2022 and um and most of the most of the pandemic scars undone very quickly
0: in your research you mentioned that job seekers had an easier time finding a job during the COVID pandemic compared to other recessionary periods. So you've already touched a bit on the differences regarding the idea of this uh, recall employment. Um, But how is the impact of the COVID pandemic on the labor force different from other recessionary periods in the sense where it was for some reason easier to find employment than other recessionary periods?
1: Yeah, I just already elaborated a little on this recall unemployment. But of course, like there was also an increase in people who actually needed to find new jobs, right? Um, And they did have an easier time. This is all like generalizing broadly. Of course, individual experiences were often very individual, right? But if we try to generalize... um, and why is that? Well, the job postings came back very quickly. That's one aspect of it. But I think the second aspect that plays into that is that in a normal recession, we see a large increase in this search unemployment early on. And then you see a lot of people, a lot of job seekers looking for a limited set of jobs. Here we had labor demand in the last recession, we had labor demand remained strong, but many fewer individuals actually immediately looking for new jobs. A lot of people were just sitting this out. They were just waiting for uh for the return to their old um old employment. So those that had to look for jobs found it easier to actually f- like find positions for themselves because the competition was less bad. And um and so I think it's both of these patterns together. And in and through the recession, um uh, through the this COVID recession, uh, the I think the expectations quickly beca- in the labor market seem to have been among employers and and potential employees that we might actually come back relatively quickly from that, as it as it in the end happened. Um, yeah. So it's basically two things. One of them is that most unemployed where uh we're not actually themselves looking for a new job, which makes it easier for those that are looking for a new job to in fact uh fill these new jobs, whatever jobs they are available. And the second aspect is the um the continued high labor demand. Um so in twenty nineteen, just prior the COVID recession, we had a very strong labor market. Um and firms for, like seem to have concluded that once COVID passes uh productivity is going to be high and therefore they kept posting positions
0: in your work you also touch on the idea that many people transition from a low skilled service job to a more professional occupation can you describe why this transition happened and I'm guessing it has something to do with this idea that there were uh that job seekers had greater possibilities because there were so many people waiting on their recall but please elaborate on this
1: Yes. So, um, okay. so just like if we abstract from COVID for a moment here, just generally when the labor market is tight, so when there are uh, lots of positions chasing very few individuals that don't have currently a job, what we tend to see is we tend to see people uh, actually move up what we call a job ladder. So somebody who has a job that is not that attractive, not that good a match, not that well paid, Uh, We'll keep searching for a job and we'll move up that job job ladder. And overall, the situation I've just described is essentially one in which the labor market was really tight for a number of years now, maybe since 2014, 2013, since we came back out of the Great Recession and continued to be tight during the COVID recession. So this process of moving up a job ladder was able to continue. The second thing that we did see is that among people close to retirement, we have seen a reduction in uh, the employment to population ratio. So we have seen people move out of um, like move out of the labor force among those that are somewhat elder, older, they, you know, they might have decided that they don't want to take the the, the risk of getting infected or they just. You know, when they were forced to take a break for a few months, they decided that, well, oh, no, I actually like gardening. I don't want to go back to to work, whatever, whatever they were doing otherwise. And that freed up positions, um, and so people were freed of positions that often were positions further up this job ladder. Well, when these are freed up, then you know people are filling them up, moving up the job ladder to fill them back up. Um, and so I think it's both of these processes. It's just like the the general patterns in really tight labor markets. And, uh, and then the additional fact that uh, like positions at the top of this job job ladder were freed up. A third aspect of this is that a lot of the industries that were actually hardest hit and maybe most where the, where the impact of the COVID pandemic was most, Durable were these client-facing jobs, so working in as a waiter or as in like service industry, where you know waiter, hotels, and so on. Those were actually closed down for quite a period of time. So people in those positions, might holding jobs in those industries, have faced an additional incentive in actually looking for jobs in other industries that are generally better paid with better working conditions. And so they started moving up that job ladder as well.
0: How have the conditions that the COVID-19 pandemic created in the labor market contributed to the current inflationary environment that the Federal Reserve is now trying to tackle?
1: Um, I don't think very much, actually. Right? I mean, so- it is a tight labor market, so uh, there is concern that we might enter into some sort of a wage price spiral. So when you hear that term, what what do people mean by that? Um, what do economists mean by that? They're concerned that as inflation picks up, wage demands will pick up as well, and that raises costs, and then there's like some sort of a uh, back-and-forth process. But really, wage growth in the last year or two has lagged behind inflation. Uh, So if anything, real wages have gone down, maybe contributing to why the labor market is so tight. So I don't think the, I personally don't think the Federal Reserve should be targeting the wage inflation itself. They should be targeting the price level overall because otherwise they're targeting a relative price, the price for labor. Um, and that's not the role of, of the Federal Reserve. It is, of course, true that when there is little slack in the labor market, so few workers that can be drawn in, then there is the concern that any excess demand can immediately trans- might immediately translate into uh, price increases. But if anything, labor has gotten cheaper over the last few years, and uh, in terms of real wages. So if anything. Um, the this this recession doesn't seem to be driven by but this recession i'm sorry uh, this inflationary period doesn't seem to be driven by like excess wage demands um so i don't think i don't think this is a reset that is an inflationary environment that can be blamed on on excession, excessive excessive uh, uh wage growth or anything like that the concern is more one of there has been a lot of demand through maybe the fiscal stimulus and the COVID. Uh, relief programs that have injected a lot of money in the economy, um, that that have that are now driving up demand and increasing prices, um, and uh, and that's what the Fed is trying to address. So, it was trying to address until a week ago before the financial sector hit a uh, hit its latest 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 uh, obstacle there.
0: To be clear. If you're reading the news constantly, you hear a lot about how the Fed is going to react to employment numbers. Are you saying that the Fed should not be so concerned about how many jobs are being added each month or the unemployment rate, and should instead focus on other figures? Ah, uh, yeah, at
1: some level. Um, so what I'm why is the why is the Federal Reserve like looking at the unemployment numbers, right? They want to see whether there is a lot of slack in the economy. If there's a lot of slack in the economy then there is space for actually stimulating demand without that it um without it uh driving up inflation that's kind of the, the theory let's say so yes of course they have to look at those numbers um but i'm overall just concerned that if we uh, if the fed pursues a policy of uh raising the interest rates because wage growth starts picking up right then what is it doing it's actually making permanent these real wage declines that we might have seen in the last few years it's kind of uh if it's targets wage growth rather than price growth then it's interfering in a relative price rather than an aggregate price um and so i'm i'm a little concerned when i hear these uh comments about uh um you know we have to be worried about wage growth or so on that we are actually targeting relative prices rather than aggregate prices, which is what inflation is about and what the Fed should be primarily concerned about. Having said that, I mean, it's a tough job. I don't want to be Jay Powell, right? So, what clearly they are looking at the labor market because they are, are concerned that the inflationary environment will perpetuate itself and will change expectations. And the labor market is some indication of. How likely that is to happen in the future, right? I just, uh, I just really think that we shouldn't, shouldn't overemphasize what happens in the labor market in, in terms of this inflationary considerations, right? I mean, in the end, what we, we do want, and that's the, like, we do want <laughs> real wage growth, right? That's the, the economies doesn't exist for, <laughs> Or for nothing in the end what actually will translate into broad-based wealth gains broad-based well-being gains in the economy is if we observe real wage growth and uh and we haven't in in the last few years
0: you know, mentioned something you just mentioned regarding fiscal support and covet relief programs you touched on how this influenced a inflationary environment but did these programs have any impact on the labor force, whether people were deciding to enter the labor force or the willingness that firms had to hire?
1: So in, okay. So in terms of uh, the disincentive effects on labor supply, that was a big worry originally and uh, in when they were put into place. Um, And uh, I mean, like theory would essentially suggest that the extension of unemployment benefits might reduce labor supply somewhat. In uh, like in the COVID recession, that's actually wanted. I mean, we did want people to actually, you know, stop interacting so much with each other. That aside, the evidence that that happened with to a significant extent is not there. Right? I'm sure it happened somewhat, but I don't think we have seen people withdraw. Um, In large numbers, because they received unemployment benefits for a couple months longer, enhanced unemployment benefits for a couple months longer, Um, and uh, and really, so I think the best way to think about these programs in the context of the COVID recession, the the more generous unemployment benefits and so on, is as insurance. The government stepped in for. In a situation where there was an unusual, uninsurable, hard to uh, hard to um, forecast stock affecting many individuals. And we needed something that's called social insurance, which is uh, the government was is actually capable then to insure those individuals that couldn't insure themselves for this. And um, you know, I don't see huge moral hazard effects in this time period. This doesn't mean that uh, we should like always have more generous unemployment benefits, but at least during this COVID period, where uh, in in the first few months of the COVID period, I don't think it was a major fact um, effect uh, on the demand side. It might have uh, it might actually have given some firms the space to. Uh, to maintain their attachment, the attachment, attachment between workers and themselves, so that people didn't have to go through search unemployment. Um, but whether that was warranted, warranted these very large costs of the programs, that's that's uh, an open question. I think there's some real concerns there. Right? In the end, I think the, the the fundamental driver of what happened in the labor market was. Here's a shock. Most people expected this shock to not change the the basic productive conditions, the basic technologies available to us. This is not a financial meltdown, so people expected the economy to actually just skip a beat and then just continue as before. So most employers maintained the uh, the connections to their workforce. Uh, people left the their their primary jobs for some period of time. In that period of time, they received support from the government. And then a few months later, most people returned to their old jobs. And it's actually astonishing how little the labor market has changed in this time period. Like by, I mean, the, the changes were dramatic during the peak of the COVID recession. But if you compare the labor market today with the labor market three years ago, much the same story, Um, much the same picture.
0: To wrap things up, Mm -hmm. what is your outlook for the future in the labor market? You hear a lot about uh, unemployment rates increasing. Now they're in the mid 3%. Some people say they're gonna go to 4%. And now you hear a lot of talk, as we've talked already uh, in this episode, about the effect of um, the Federal Reserve's actions. So what do you think will happen in the uh, labor market, although I'm sure you can't give a perfect prediction, but what are your thoughts on possible trends that could occur?
1: I mean, okay, so I think there is an answer I would have given a week ago, and there's an answer that, that I will give today. The answer, I I think there's still a lot to this that I gave would have given a week ago is People have been predicting a recession. People have been predicting a weakening of the economy for a while now as the interest rate goes up. Um, and we are just not seeing it in the labor market. The labor market continues to be strong, right? Mid-3%, unemployment can't go much lower. And so I would have predicted at that point that uh, you know wages will, real wage growth will start picking, picking up. And hopefully this this will last as long as possible. And these predictions of recessions might be premature. And then Silicon Valley Bank and Sovereign Bank and Credit Suisse and the different uh, events over this last week started happening. And those are like those are also um, you know signs consequences of the well partially consequences of the increase in interest rate, lowering asset values. Uh, so there are signs of strain in the financial side of the economy. And historically, it seems that financial recessions caused by financial um, crises tend to be mm-hmm. much more long-lived and severe than uh, than standard run-of-the-mill recessions. So now I'm a lot less certain about what's actually going to happen in the next half year. Having said that, anybody who tells you they know what's going to happen in the next half year is, uh, you know, is either a little too convinced of themselves or is lying to you. Um, like we basically do not know where we're going to go from here. The Federal Reserve has stepped in to it seems like uh, con- maybe contain this financial crisis. Um, and uh, and it's very possible that this so-called soft landing or just stabilization of uh, the economy will actually continue to succeed. Um, but I think at the moment, if you want to know what's going to go, wh- whether we are going to enter in a, in a recession in the next year or so, you'll have to invite uh, somebody who works on banking crises or monetary economics, not a labor economist.